2: When you say what ifs, like what? Yeah. If they didn't get injured? I think you can make that assessment. We would have had a much better chance of winning uh, against a very good team that I think deserved to win, and I think they should be congratulated for sure. Um, but, it, you know, it's possible the outcome might have been quite different if these guys were healthy. we will going bring you on to our huddle. You are in the Warriors Huddle with me, Bram, with me after a brief one-week hiatus, my producer Marcus. What's up, Dev And no Maxime today. In fact, he is off getting married, not as we speak. I'm a little bit late on this. Let's use this to give Maxime a belated congratulations since I was too lazy and stupid to actually shoot him the text. Maxime, congratulations, assuming you are listening to this, and uh, hopefully that's not going to be our only source of positivity today. We are going to be welcoming in... Kristen Peake are all things NBA draft expert, but before we get there, MT, we're on the other side of the finals loss, man. We haven't talked about it yet, so I figure you and I have to spend a little bit of time unpacking it, and I'm just going to be honest with you to start off. I have no idea where this is going to go. I might sob. I might pass out. I might find reasons for optimism. I don't know. I, I have purposefully stayed away from this raw nerve. You know, in fact, one of the worst things about this loss has been all the non-basketball fans in my life who knew that I was a Warriors fan, who come up and like casually offer me condolences, and they're trying to be cool and making me feel better, right. but all they're making me do is relive a goddamn loss that I want to have nothing else to do with, but I digress. we got to talk about it a little bit today.
3: We do. It was a tough, tough loss, man. That's It's not the way you want to go out being injured. Um, I'm sure we'll get into if this deserves an asterisk or not, but... Just to, to have the season end on, on multiple injuries is just not the right way to go
2: out. So let's say this. Um, I do have at least two positive things that I can stand by and I know are right. All right. And this isn't me being a homer. This isn't me necessarily being an optimist, although those are both of my baseline personalities. These are actual takes. Here's the first one. I'm crazy proud of this team, man. I understand what happened. I understand they didn't win a chip. I understand that we had aspirations that were not met. But I also understand that these fools lost two all-world players and maybe, maybe the best player on earth and came within a single shot, a single inch, of forcing that game seven. So, look... We're used to bigger things. We have been spoiled. These are first-world problems. And I, like everybody else, was furious that that shot didn't go in and we didn't get a Father's Day in Game 7. But the concept of looking at this like a failure to me is ridiculous, is ludicrous, man. Fools would die to have this opportunity, and they showed enough heart. I mean, what would be required? And let me put it a different way. We're all so used to them winning as these stars kept getting stripped away we secretly think they're still going to win that was such a pompous thought you know that, that they were able to accomplish this despite losing Clay Thompson and Kevin Durant is something that I am remarkably proud of
3: yeah I agree I mean three championships in the last five years we are considered a dynasty you know we're in the conversation you can argue it one way or the other um, it was a hell of a run we won 73 games we we're back-to-back champions we were As you said, a shot away, an inch away, a Steph Curry three-point shot away from forcing a game seven with two of our better players out and a hobbled Boogie Cousins and a torn cartilage pectoral from Kevin Kevon Looney. So, um, super proud of the team. I think it just showed the heart of the champion. and To me, it just reinforced that they deserve to be there and they showed that it wasn't just luck. They actually had a lot of talent,
2: and had a lot of coaching behind it. There's a quote I'll occasionally unleash when I'm trying to motivate somebody. I don't think I totally understand it, but it it absolutely applies to this scenario. And what it says is that oftentimes you are so focused on what you want to achieve you don't actually recognize what you have achieved. And that's exactly what was up with this. Look, I, I wish they won, man. I'm not going to tell you, like, I left the arena hell of happy when they missed that shot. I was hella pussy. But now that I've had a little bit of time to kind of look back and recognize what they had to accomplish to even reach where they reached, I'm proud of it. Which leads me to the second thing. I have said steadfastly on this podcast multiple times that bad things happen for good reasons under Lakeham. I don't know why you know, but there's been multiple examples. And let me, let me justify it this way. Under Kohan, bad things just happened, but just bad things happened. And there wasn't any upsides for bad reasons. just all the time <laughs> for whatever right. reason, but you can never identify. Oh, I'm glad that happened for this silver lining. Right. Under Kohan, there are multiple silver linings. Let me give you an example. Steph no, hurts. Under Lakeup, I'm, uh, I'm sorry. Under Lakeup. Know. Steph hurts his ankle initially, right? Absolutely unquestioned bad thing. This guy is our franchise player. Somebody we are hoping to lead us out of the doldrums. He has an ankle injury that is reoccurring. The good reason behind it, it leads to a long-term contract that gives the Warriors the financial flexibility to sign Andre and to sign everybody else that created this team. Want another one? Last time I felt like this when they lost to Cleveland. Hated it, man. Hated I was disgusted. I ruined a Father's Day. I re- You were at my house. I have ruined multiple relationships because of that loss. But you know what it led to? Kevin Durant signing. And it led to the to the cementing of this dynasty. So if you're looking for a possible upside, and that's what it is, it's possible. Who knows what's going to happen? But it is possible, just possible, that what this leads to is Clay and KD staying long-term and providing this dynasty a, a comma, not a period. We may have to take a year off, but it does not mean that it is over. So there might be an upside to this damn thing.
3: Absolutely. I mean, I think it's... You look at what Kevin Durant is choosing between now and he can opt into his player option yep. and take 31 million just to rehab with, you know, the team he's familiar with and, you know, some amazing trainers, or he can sign a long-term deal and kind of stay, or he can leave and try to figure out how to heal and become better with mm-hmm. all new surroundings. Yep. And I think the first two obviously just stand out as better options. Um, so it just, it's a, uh, to your point, it's a bad situation that, may have created a, an interesting, better outcome for the Warriors.
2: All year, this narrative, and KD talked about it, and we've talked about it a thousand times. It's the KD and the Warriors narrative, right? This this subtle division that the media has kind of perpetrated, and all of us have felt, if we're being honest. And for me, I think that that division was created by shared memories. Here's what I mean the Warriors were already up on their feet when KD joined us, right? And so because of that, as a fan base, we had all of these shared experiences with the players. clays you know, huge quarter, Steph's lack of a finals MVP. I mean, whatever it is, but these things that we've done with them and, and we recognize them as parts of our lives. What just happened with KD? Him coming out, despite doctor's advice getting hurt trying to help win our team a championship is the kind of relationship building story he did not have before this is exactly what you need to build a relationship between a player and a fan base and a franchise there is no division anymore not if he comes back you know so i i can see this as being justification for keeping him in now I've talked myself enough into this optimism and I'm kind of in it, I can share with you the dark experience of game six, you know? Let me ask you, how hard you take it, man? Like, ugly? Were you in, a, in an okay place? Um, I took it pretty hard, so
3: I had to go to the East Coast um, for work, so my brother lives out there. Um, he had just moved into a new spot, so the internet And TV service hadn't been set up No! Oh, oh my God. (laughs) Did you
2: know that when you went out there? Or did you come in and he's like, dude, by the way, we don't have internet and TV. We were were
3: trying to hack the system and figure out ways to do it. And um, long story short, there was a... Mobile phone. No. Okay, Matt.
2: Unacceptable. (laughs) I happen to know you listen to this show. A hundred percent unacceptable.
3: Me, Matt, and his wife were just huddled around this mobile phone, watching it all go down, and it was, it was tough. I mean, they were in the game that the I think it was Mark Jackson and Van Gundy kept saying like, "There's no reason why the Warriors should be in this game," and that's (laughs) all you kept feeling like you're right, you know, like this team. You're like Clay is on a one-on-four and pulls up from five feet behind the three-point line. And as soon as he lets it go, you're like, that's going in. Like, <laughs> it's just one of those games. And then, you know, when he hurts himself and you just kind of – the way he landed and they showed the replay, you're thinking like, oh, man, that's that's bad. That's, you know, that's ACL, MCL. That's a lot of CLs yeah. in there or something. Um, and then, you know, Clay's back there running around, jumping up and down, telling Steve Kerr I'll be back in two minutes. And you're like, this guy is just crazy. Like, he doesn't get hurt. Um and then you saw the crutches and it was just, I think you kind of just knew like there wasn't enough firepower left, um you know in the team. But you know give them credit, we still took it down to the last play. They drew that you know that Brad Stevens play where they throw
2: throw the ball out of bounds, (laughs) where they throw the the balls out of bounds and ask Draymond to dive under the into the yeah the front row and save the ball.
3: But I mean, it gives Steph Curry arguably the best shooter ever to play a three-point shot like I take that shot 10 times out of 10
2: okay we're gonna get there and okay. because I one of the questions we're gonna answer is should he have driven the ball let's talk about watching experience quickly I lucked into a ticket I ended up going um, a friend of mine Brad had two is a guy I, I shared our season tickets with his wife couldn't go so we came out of pocket and I went And it was a Jekyll and Hyde experience. Um, On one side, it was littered with historical moments. You know, I mean, the fact that it was the end of Oracle. I I sat there looking around, literally looking around and identifying different places that occupied memories for me. I was degenerately drunk there. I came with my mom to the game here. I saw, I don't know, Disney on ice, you know, upper row over there. Um, And then also having it be a deciding finals game, having it possibly be the end of a dynasty, having historical moments like Clay coming back onto the court. There was all of these really cool things. But on the other side, this crushing tension, you know, I mean, like I was aware of that the entire time, but I did not have fun for a single second of that game. Even when they were winning, I didn't. It's just like you were talking about. It was like this suffocating feel of... They were always coming. It's like being followed by Pepe Le Pew. Didn't matter how many we got up. Didn't matter if we were down. They they always seemed to be there and always seemed to have an answer to what we wanted to bring, which was frustrating as hell. But I will say that Oracle's crowd showed. We've done nothing but give them shots throughout the year. They stood up for every single minute of that game. Mm -hmm. Some people didn't even sit down during the timeouts. It felt like a college game, which was awesome. And they gave everything they had. I mean, they really did. There was nothing left to give by the end of that thing. So it was what it was. We left it on the floor. But it was so damn frustrating, man. It was so damn frustrating. It's a miracle I didn't pass out. I'm I'm
3: disappointed you didn't coordinate any, um, like, coordinated chance there was we were a, talking about that a couple pods ago i had
2: podcast. one in pocket i had the we're going to do the la clippers la clippers clap 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 every time that Kawhi was going to go to the line that's what we had in pocket Kawhi didn't get to the line until the second quarter and yeah. the fan base was so fired up that it would have been lost yeah. i mean and this is a, a compliment to oracle i was expecting it to be kind of Hollow, which is which is a shot at them. I did, I thought we'd be able to to chant without you know everybody being able to hear us, right. and that simply was not the case. I will say I had one other orchestrated chant that I kept in pocket. So game ends, right? We've obviously lost, and in my mind. All I can see in my mind's eye is that picture of Raptor fans getting into one big central location in Oracle and singing No Canada. Because that's exactly what they did at the ends of games uh, three and four. So I'll be damned. It's not going to happen. I'm sure I wouldn't have been able to make a difference, but there wasn't going to be a shot of no people in yellow. I was going to be in that shot, and I was going to boo louder than anyone has ever heard booing (laughs) ever, ever. Like I would have given that woman, that witch from The Princess Bride, a run for her money, dude. I was booing (laughs) like you've never seen And so we're sitting there, and the old Canada thing doesn't happen, at least while I'm there. But I do get to see this. It's a weird anxiety. It's a weird interaction. I don't think I was the only one who had that in mind because other Warrior fans stayed there. And there was an eight-second, or within eight seconds of the final horn, Raptor fans started chanting, let's go Raptors. And the second that started, Warrior fans answered with a haunting Warriors cheer. Warriors, but it wasn't in support. It was an angry one. It was an FU one. Um, And you can feel it. And it led to this really weird, haunting 30 seconds before I left where they were building the stage, and people were congratulating each other on the floor, rightfully so. But in the crowd, there was an anxiety that I have never felt in that arena. And as I left, I saw two groups of Warrior fans um, seemingly having just finished fighting, uh, the second of which had been separated by cops, and it felt like a writer game. Um, You know, the whole thing... as proud as I was, and I continue to be proud, frustrations tended to win out by the end. And I guess, you know, I mean, it is what it is, man. Like, yeah. that that's going to happen if you have another Canada or another country come in and celebrate their championship on your floor. Yeah. Also, <laughs> Canada, MT. I have no problem saying that at all at this stage. Yeah, I mean, it happened in
3: Toronto when we, you know, forced Game 6 back in Game 5 in, in Canada. Um, we won that game, and there was a couple of Warrior fans who, on social media, you know, got got punched and jumped in by Raptors fans. Yep. And, you know, it's it's the ugly side of the game and obviously that doesn't, you know, represent everybody, but it's gonna happen and especially when, you know, you're in a, a blue collar town like Oakland and with the fan base and The fact that they're leaving and going to the other side of the bay. It's just, you know, there's a lot of emotions wrapped up in that.
2: You mix in disappointment and alcohol, you know, and things tend to not go the exact way you had previously planned. Now let's get back to your question. Does Toronto's title deserve an asterisk? All right? I will say, doesn't deserve an asterisk. Can't say that. And when the Warriors were going through their championship runs and people got hurt before, I said our obligation was to beat the team in front of them. They did. Toronto did exactly that. So do I think Toronto won the title? Definitely. Do I think their title deserves an asterisk? Absolutely not. Do I think Toronto beat the Warriors? F*** no. Let me say that again. F*** no. If you build a car with the intention of beating the fastest car on earth, and then you race the fastest car on earth, and at that point it only has three tires, you didn't beat the fastest car on earth. May have won the race, but you did not beat the fastest car on earth. They didn't have the greatest player on earth, MT. They didn't have him. And if they had had Clay, they would have won. You know what? Asterisk. It deserves an asterisk, dude. I'm just going to say it. deserves an get asterisk. Quickly. That's what's up. Talk me off the ledge. Where am I wrong?
3: Um, I mean, I think if we give them an asterisk, then we get one for our championships, right? I mean, it has to go both ways. We have to take that medicine, and um, I don't want an asterisk on ours. I feel like we won those fair and square. I don't care if CP3 was hurt, you know, like, and then we say, oh, well, Iggy was hurt, or mm-hmm. Draymond got suspended, and that's why we lost to Cleveland, and Kyrie got hurt. That's the only reason we beat them yep. the first time. You know, it just... It's never-ending, so to your point, you play the team that's in front of you. Um, Do they beat
2: the bully? Do they get to go around and say they've they've beat the historic Dynasty Warriors?
3: No, and I think everybody knows that, and I, I take comfort in that, in that they don't get an asterisk and they don't deserve an asterisk, but everybody who's a basketball fan knows you didn't beat the real world. Yeah, that's, that's, that's 100% you know? and, right. And to me, just knowing that, and I can give you that, <laughs> Every everybody in C- Canada, I can give you that look, and if you know, then you know, and it's like, as long as we nod in approval, like, that's right, you didn't beat the real world.
2: How could yeah. they not know? How could they take Kawhi Leonard off the Raptors and see whether or not they come within an inch of making game seven? You yeah. know what I mean? Like, just, that's just one of the players. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. uh, of course, they have to know that. I will say, so like... I didn't even, they lose the game, and I refuse to watch anything. I haven't watched a replay. I have I have no idea how guarded Steph was. The only image I have of that is what I saw from my seat. Like, I've just stayed away from everything because I needed to kind of work it out. And now that I've worked it out, like, and the the dust has settled and we've lost, looking around, my first impression is, what the hell is going on? It looks like nobody's going to be playing next year. I have no <laughs> idea whether or not Clay or KD is even going to be on the team. If they are on the team, they're not on the floor. Suddenly Vegas is like, they're saying the Lakers are absolute guaranteed champions. Like, I don't know what happened between two weeks ago and today, but I don't like this new NBA landscape and there's going to have to be some changes.
3: Well, you should, you should check it out. Cause there are some interesting developments. Um, I'll give you the cliff notes. Um, the Lakers got a player called Anthony Davis. He sucks. <laughs> um, sounding like Kyrie wants to join. So we'll see where that lands. Um, Chris Paul apparently is not a happy camper with houston and has said between him and james harden you know trade me or trade it's either he him or me
2: which is stupid no especially if the warriors are out of the scene this could be the year they could actually use yeah. the talent
3: they have there. and they've since come out and both, like daryl Morey and chris paul both said that that's not true but you know um so there's that and then you know like what happens with our free agents um, you know the odds have been updated and now the Warriors are at the same odds as the Knicks in terms of hey. KD
2: and that's it's an improvement in those yeah. odds for us yeah. all right I think it's plus 250 or plus 350 I
3: forget which one but the Nets have fallen all the way down to plus a thousand um, a couple other teams are in there so you know I think it's it'll be interesting I mean Clay sounds like he's definitely going to sign. As long as it's a max offer, you sign it, and then he'll just push it right back.
2: Let me give you some assumptions, and then let's make some guesses. All right. I want you to assume that Clay resigns, and and KD resigns. Vegas got it right. Even money, whatever it is, he is back. I also want you to assume that they are out for the full year. We're going to be our, our go to sports medicine guy, uh, Dr. Kyle F. Chun is going to be joining us on the next pod. He will break down what we can expect. Uh, healing-wise, will they be Clay and Katie when they come back, all of that stuff. But for now, let's assume they sign with us, they have to sit out the full year, all right? First question, Warriors without those two players, I don't think they're a playoff team. Like, I, I, I mean, just fire off some names for me, right? I mean, some some teams just right off the top. Let's see where we get. I mean, Rockets, these are not not finished order, just teams who probably finish ahead of the Warriors. Yep. Rockets, probably. Utah, probably. Uh, San Antonio, probably. Lakers, probably. Probably, I mean, Portland, fair enough. Portland. Okay, Portland probably. OKC, OKC probably. New Orleans with the talent that they've now acquired and surrounded themselves with. They're kind of young. I don't know. They'll battle for the eight spot. I'm at sure. least put them in there. Denver definitely. Absolutely. By the way, I'm at eight right now. Um, Clippers. Clippers. They're there's nine. If they get quiet. Okay. So there's real reason. Dallas. A, a real reason to believe Another next year. year okay. Year. And and uh, what's his name? KP. Yeah. Um, so under that analysis, there is a real chance the Warriors do not make the playoffs next year, even if Steph plays 82 games, right? Mm-hmm. Also under that analysis, what, what I've said already, this is a pause, not a period. We're going to be sitting Clay, sitting KD, expecting them both to return the following year where we resume all this. So the downside of doing that would be Steph burning career minutes, right? Like, even if he's out there and he doesn't get hurt, all of these players have a finite amount of minutes they can play. Nobody knows that amount. You don't find out until they retire, but every minute they play is is one off that counter. So if all of this is true, should the Warriors come up with some reason, some excuse, some he wants to go play baseball for Steph to sit out a full year?
3: Support him if he wants to play for the Giants.
2: for a year. But but factor in, <laughs> factor in also, and, and you and I are uniquely qualified to talk about this, as people who just had to plop down a not a small amount of money for APSL and are going to be paying a lot of money per game going to the new arena next year, right? Yeah. So factor that in. All things considered, if you're the Warriors, can you even consider sitting Steph long-term? You know, like, how does this analysis go?
3: Yeah, I mean, I feel like... It's an interesting question because the mix of Warrior fans that are going to go to the Chase Center aren't Warrior fans that have been long enough fans that they would appreciate Sit the em. team taking a mulligan yep, for a year. Right. You know, so you have to please half of the fan base that doesn't understand that. And the other half that does, they're like, oh, OK, like, I, you know, like you and I would be upset, but we would get it. We would say, OK, next year, you know. 21 22 that season sure. is, is
2: two steps that. back for eight steps forward exactly yep
3: um but i mean i don't think i think they can still contend for the seventh eighth seed if they re-sign boogie because i think steph draymond in a rejuvenated in a, a draymond that is playing for a supermax contract yeah is a dangerous Draymond?
2: do you want to s- expend that kind of energy to get an eight seed maybe you know what I mean I mean like I hear you and yeah. to be to be totally frank they can't you can't just pull them out there's yeah. no there's a zero percent chance Adam Silver looks at the Warriors and says yeah that's yeah, cool man let them let them sit a year we'll see you next year right, right. Um, but just to complete that segment because it entertains me you know you're an ad guy give me a lie yeah you have to come up with a lie to, to you know convince the world this is okay Right. I I thought about it. I know he's not Mormon, so it doesn't work perfectly, but it would be a Mormon mission. You know, we know he's super religious. He he has, whatever, he has suddenly found God in a Mormon context. He needs to spend a year to go out and study the new word. The warriors are concerned, but hey, man, he knows he's a man of God. We got to give him what the hell he wants. So it is what it is. We'll see you in a year. And that Mormon mission just so happens to coincide perfectly with Katie's recovery, which is to say if he comes back a little early, maybe the mission ends a little early, but whatever it is. But there's my suggested lie. What do you got?
3: I got... He and Iggy both try their wares (laughs) seriously on the PGA tour. (laughs) I like it because we save Iggy, too. You mean exactly?
2: Save <laughs> Iggy and
3: Curry, they both just go try to, you know, emulate Tiger. Draymond's and, their caddy, they desperately need his knowledge of the course, dude. It is what it is. We got to get him out there. Nobody reads the wins in the
2: green. <laughs> that's right, Draymond. that's right. They're not taking a year <laughs> off to lose, they're gonna need their trusted caddy exactly. out there. So yeah. let's get Draymond.
3: Oh, what do you know? This is Sean Livingston here, too. <laughs> Crazy. Um, so yeah. So I would I would say golf instead of baseball if we're gonna hypothetically have him sit for a legitimate year and, and Adam Silver just has to We need
2: change. something. We need some reason, you know, like we can try the not a championship year flu, you know, or like not gonna really be able to win it itis but I don't feel like those are gonna fly at all. I don't know, we can run it by Dr. Dr. Chun, but I don't yeah. think those are real
3: things. And Under Armour will be down for it. They'll just switch over to some golf shoes. Yeah,
2: that's yeah, that's fine. They're right. now marketing through two sports, man. What do they have a problem You're with? Welcome um i have pulled some free agency names for you and we're going to be doing free agency pods we're welcoming in christian to talk about what we can do with the draft so we're not going to go into in depth on any of these guys the idea is i'm going to give you a name you give me a number one to ten how interested you are in them just quick and dirty right but before we do the reason why i want to do this i think these names these people the ideas who we can bring in have shifted we spent all year talking about Rudy Gage of the world. And what we were talking about are those veterans who would take less money to win a championship. Well, if we're going to be honestly pessimistic, next year, no veterans are coming to Golden State to win a championship. That analysis is flipped now, man. What we're looking for is dudes who can soak up minutes, take shots, maybe, just maybe, give us the kind of production we need to sneak into the eighth seed. All right? So here's some names I have for you. The first one I'm excited about Carmelo Anthony, one to 10. One. No! No, I'm going to say that one again. What do you want? one? Why would you not want him? i give him like a six and a half. Defense. What do we care about defense? He'll last ten <laughs> games before
3: Draymond and him come to blows over him, <laughs> just blowing defensive assignments.
2: That should get you to at least a seven. We're looking for <laughs> entertainment next year, man. If fighting between Carmelo and Draymond is what we get? Draymond is on the golf course caddying in my scenario. So, Dion Waiters. Dion Waiters. Seven. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Tyreek Evans. Same idea.
3: Zero. He can't play. He's suspended the whole year.
2: That's a test that you've passed. (laughs) Congratulations, Marcus. I'm so happy to see that you've passed my test. Here's me crossing out 10 on mine. Lance Stevenson. Lance
3: Stevenson.
2: That's basically unsuspended Tyreek Evans, so you can't be be too heavy. I'm going to go three. So none of these guys, with the exception of Deion Waiters?
3: I think Deion Waiters fits because he hits big shots. Um, if you can focus him and put him in the right kind of structure, I think that he'd be a really good player.
2: <laughs> can I tell you that in my version of events? So I, I wrote this thing. This is our, the, the outline. It was done for at least an hour before he came. And I was reading some other article, hopped on Twitter, and somebody mentioned the words Carmelo Anthony, and like an epiphany. I was like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. I read I read in Carmelo Anthony, and I had this whole image of like, I would tell you Carmelo Anthony. You're like, what? What? I didn't even thought of that. And then you're going to tell me it's amazing. So zero is not what I anticipated, Zero. Right. I'll
3: give you a name. Maybe they'll give you that epiphany. Harrison Barnes.
2: <laughs> they'll have to pay his ass, though, right?
3: He wants out of sack. Um does he really? Why? Well, he's turning. I, I think I read he's turning down his player option. Um, he'll obviously talk to the Kings and see, you know, what they're interested in what they're talking about because that young core there is super exciting. But um, what does he add? Erect body posture? Like I'm not. I'm not sure exactly how he helps us. Uh, he brings back exactly what Bogut did. Somebody who's familiar with the system, who you know, like had a good enough relationship with the team, and he's he's that long, lengthy, you know, three and D guy that play he's still young too he's under 30 so
2: there's going to be probably a thousand podcasts between now and when it happens when we will rehash this prediction over and over and over and over and over and over 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 again but before we welcome in Christian let me ask you now while we're both soaking wet of the emotion from game six while the landscape is still ever-changing will the Warriors be in the 2019-2020 NBA playoffs
3: yes as an eight seed,
2: I say no, but they'll be the champions the next year. <laughs> Let's call Kristen. All right. I can't tell you guys how fired up I am to announce that rejoining us in the huddle, an 11 year veteran of Yahoo Sports, where she's covered the Olympics, the Super Bowl, the Final Four, UFC title fights, and focused on college basketball specifically for the last half decade our nba draft expert and a woman who is heroically trying to run a marathon on every major continent miss kristen peak what's going on kristen hello how are you guys? KP, what's up? Eh, we're doing all right. I, if I'm being honest with you, I am both a little bit depressed now that the warrior season is over, and a little bit lazy. Every time I think about your goal of running marathons throughout the world, it just makes me feel like <laughs> like a fat ass. If I'm being honest, dude, like I'm, I'm not running anywhere, <laughs> let alone on different continents.
4: I know. Well, correction, I have run on every continent. The next one I'm trying to do is North Pole. So I hit South Pole and North Pole.
2: <laughs> Both so the next one. Thanks. Right when I couldn't feel lazy enough. <laughs> Christian to the rescue. Where does this podcast find you, Christian? Where are you at?
4: I am in New York City. It's draft week. It's my favorite week of the entire year. I love this week. It's kind of a full circle moment for me when I get to all the players i covered in high school and college realize their dreams and see their parents and it's pretty great and i always say to them i'm like you know when i see them in, in high school and i know they're going to be an nba player i said you know what in two years you're going to be an nba player and i'm still going to be doing the same old thing
2: so <laughs> do you, you do you <laughs> cash in on those predictions I'll, I'll you've i'm sure already picked this up i am you know as neurotic as anyone you'll ever meet and I would if I told a high school player, hey, I think you're going to make the NBA and then actually saw that high school player at the NBA draft, I would absolutely go and like casually drop. Hey, do you remember when I told you that you'd be in the NBA? Yeah. You know, Are you as shallow as I am or do you play it a little bit uh, a little closer to the vest?
4: I'm more of like the hysterical older sister that is like. I remember you when you had braces and like, and I just, I, it's very like, like this emotional thing. They're like, whatever. I'm an abuse player now. Chill out, KP. You know,
2: that would absolutely be me. I feel like doing that with you right now, just cause you're at the draft, but I'm trying to hold it back. Um, we do this thing, Kristen, called the off the court report. And generally speaking, it's aimed at the Warriors. The idea is that if you listen to this podcast, you care enough about the team to, watch every game so you know what the hell happens on the court, but we ask beat writers, those kind of things, what do you see off of it, right? In this instance, mm-hmm. I'd love to use your experience at the draft. I know that this isn't your first draft. In fact, I know it's your fourth. I have never been anywhere close to the draft, um, you know, of the absent just watching it on TV. So give us an off-the-court report, uh, just a story, anything, something you've experienced at the draft over the last four years that uh, caught your eye.
4: You know what I really love um, is – in the draft I mean you forget that these players have known each other for a very long time some of them are super close some of them are college teammates and the first thing because I interview them on our Yahoo Sports live draft show every year and so the first thing because all the when you get drafted all you do is run from interview to interview to interview to photo op to whatever you don't know where your teammate got drafted you don't know where your friend got drafted so the coolest thing for me is they'll come over and they'll say KP you know, last year is Trey Young. He's like, where'd Mike get, did Mike get drafted yet? Where's he going? Mike Porter, sorry, Mike Porter Jr. And it was, he was like, he hasn't been drafted yet. And so it's like, they want their success, but they also want huh. the success of their friends and teammates. And I always think that's really cool. Like Lonzo said the same, Lonzo Ball said the same thing with TJ Lee's like, where's TJ going? Where's TJ going? I said, Oh, he just got picked up by the Pacers. And then Lonzo just smiled. He's like, Oh good. He wanted to go there. So I always like that. Another funny story was: you guys remember how much Puma spent on on players last year, like yeah. sponsoring players?
3: Obscene amount. It was
4: unbelievable. <laughs> it was an obscene amount. And what do they do? They get freaking centers and power forwards, right? So you've got the number one two pick in the draft. You've got the the number one and number two pick in the draft, and DeAndre Aiden and Marvin Bagley Jr. or Marvin Bagley the third, and then you've got Mike Porter Jr. or whatever at fourteen, and a couple other guys but you talk to these fans that are excited about these two players and you're like, Oh cool. They just signed with Puma. Are you going to buy their shoes? And the fans are like, no. (laughs) (laughs) And I just thought that was so funny. I was like, Oh man, I know Puma doesn't want to hear this. And it's like, has anybody bought any of their shoes?
2: No. Let the record reflect. I'm sitting here in a Puma sweatsuit. (laughs) Just so you know, I am all the way decked out. Uh, Christian, have you experienced the other side of that? So, you're talking about, and I can associate with. You know, you establish a relationship with these guys, and then you get to see them at the height of their experience. They are literally realizing their dream. But the other side to that coin, although Mike Porter went at 14, he didn't slide all the way into the second round. But every now and again, we see that that green room disaster. Right, somebody who's watching their their nightmare slowly turn. I'm sorry, their dream slowly turn into a nightmare because they're not getting picked where they thought. So for you, have you ever had somebody who you had a relationship with, somebody who you gushed over like a big sister, but then watched them slide way further in the draft?
4: Yes. And I'm going to say a name from last year. Like, I don't even know if anyone will remember him. Trayvon Duval, the starting point guard at Duke. He was the number one point guard huh. coming out of high school. And he didn't shoot the well at Duke because I don't know what it is about point guards there. Like Trey Jones had to elect to go back to play a second year because he wasn't going to get drafted. He didn't shoot the ball well, but neither did Trey Duvall. And when you're in a coach case system where he's feeding the one and done and you got Tyus Jones's little brother coming up behind you, it's forcing a player like Trayvon Duvall to declare for the draft when he's not ready. And Trey didn't, Trayvon Duvall didn't even get drafted. He's in the G League, he's on a uh, two way, but. To see someone that was the best point guard in the country in high school, to a little less than two years later not even be a speck on the radar, was heartbreaking. It was like I saw him at the summer league, and I was like, "What happened, Trey? Like, I don't." <laughs> So that, yeah, there's definitely two sides of that. He's like, I just
1: got to work harder
4: now. And I'm like, I you know you're just saying that because people tell you to, but I know this sucks. <laughs>
2: do you hedge him? I mean, so like I would, even if I didn't believe it, be like, I still think you're an NBA prospect and a great player and the best point guard I've ever seen. And I don't know why you didn't go like <laughs> top 10. Do, do you find yourself trying to comfort him or do you know like that's not doing anybody any good and, you know, just, just play it above board?
4: Oh, no. I am always, always going to encourage players that, you know, that I saw what they're capable of. And if this is the way to there, like, maybe he's going to be one of those stories where he's in the G league for seven to eight years. And then finally he gets called up. Like you never know, but if this is his path, then everybody has a different path. Look at John Morant, like under the radar, he just kept going to camp. I just talked to his dad tonight. Like We just kept sending him to camps. We just kept going to tournaments. We were doing everything and anything we could to get him seen, to get him a scholarship. And that was our path, you know? Um, So I don't know. I like, it's funny, Pete, Samuel, my coworker, he said, we're prepping for a draft show. (laughs) He said, Kristen will never say anything bad about any player that she's ever covered or anything. It's like, well, it's true because (laughs) I mean, I believe it. Yeah.
2: <laughs> they should all go number one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Undoubtedly. It's a,
4: it's, here's here's my big NBA draft analyst. It's a tie. It's a tie. Yeah. All of them, all sixty players. I
2: think that they should draft <laughs> no. all sixty with the one pick. Well, I tell you what, Christian. <laughs> we not only need your experience and your eye for talent, we need your optimism. So, mm-hmm. Warrior fans <laughs> are finding themselves in kind of a weird place, right? We we rewind the clock. I don't know, a month ago. And the last thing I was oh, worried man. about was the draft. We are sitting on type of a dynasty. I don't care who's coming in. It could just be a lottery pick, right? I mean, like a like a lottery ticket. It's somebody who might be able to pan out, might not. Now, today, totally different. Not only does this roster need to be remade, but it's possible that we need to get somebody out of the draft who can play right now. Cause we just lost clay and we just we we may be re signing KD, but he's not gonna be able to play. So I need you, and we're going to start at the end of the draft, right? The Warriors have the 28th yes. pick and the 58th pick. And what I'm looking for are just names, people who you think can help the Warriors and who may still be available when we're picking both at the end of the first and at the end of the second.
4: The end of the first, I'm going to tell you a player that not a lot of people know about because he hasn't been you
2: know, talked about, but
4: he's starting to sneak up the draft boards. And I'm telling you, if he... Is sitting there with the Warriors pick. You better hope to God that they pick him up because he's like exactly what you just said. NBA ready, instant impact player, and he's a big. So I mean, you won't you won't need like Draymond Green, poor guy, like covering the five every time down the court. And the guy I'm talking about is Bruno Fernando out of Maryland. Um, he's almost 21 years old, he's six foot ten, solid, 240. Uh, and every, every team that I've talked to, I'm telling you, he's been so impressive in these pre-draft workouts that the magic we're looking at him at 16. Huh. And they're like, well, we don't need, we don't need a big, we just drafted Mo Bamba. We have Aaron Gordon. We need a shooter. Cause God knows, we don't know if Markel Fultz is even going to play a single game this year. Right. So the chances are they won't choose him, but then how much farther down will he quietly slide? And if he is there, with your guys' pick at 28. I think that would be a huge steal. Another name I've seen is Darius Baisley. I'm a little less excited about him, only because he elected – he was a five-star coming out of high school. He elected to not go to Syracuse because he said, I want to go the G League route, right? So he was going to go to the G League, then elected, oh, wait, never mind, I'm not going to play basketball at all, I'm just going to work out. And then Rich Paul, because Rich Paul's his agent – uh, went and got him a million dollar quote scholarship with New Balance. So now he's represented by New Balance. He has a million dollars, but how good is he at basketball? All right. So I've seen him at 28. Um, I also like Lou Dort, but he's a little on the younger side. I don't think he'd be able to, he'd be more of a project, but he's the guard out of Arizona State. Um, he came out after his freshman year. He's the freshman player of the year. Can score with the best of them, but is still very turnover prone, and I just don't know how he'd he'd adjust with the tempo of the NBA so far.
3: I remember when we had you on last, um, your answer to this question was PJ Washington, (laughs) and it was before he went PJ Washington and played really well, and everybody kind of figured out who he (laughs) was, so uh, I think he'll be gone before then. One name that I'm I'm hoping slides all the way down um, for two reasons. One, I think he's the next kind of Iguodala, and he's coming back from an ACL tear, which is right up our alley of what we're dealing with right now, too, um, is Chuma from Auburn. I think he has a sneaky potential to be a really good player. Um, I'm hoping he slides. I don't know if he will. I'm, I'm guessing that some team will take a flyer on him, you know, in the early 20s, and we won't have him. But if he slides back that far, do you do you think he's a good fit?
2: Because he had lottery upside, right? He was yeah. one of the only names who I actually knew by doing a little bit of research this morning. In fact, Christian, let the record reflect, I am crazy bitter at Marcus for dropping that name. I was going to try to impress you by saying it. I wasn't sure how to pronounce <laughs> it. So I'm kind of left on the outside. And if I bring it up later, pretend like it's the first time.
4: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, got it. I don't know who to key No, I I um. I really like Chumo Kiki. I think he's another great guard, or he's another great wing that can come in right away. He hit so many threes in the NCAA tournament. Come on. It was unbelievable. Like, he was letting them fly. I don't think he'll go in the first round. Are you thinking they might take him at 28?
3: I'm hoping so. I mean, I think if he's there, if um, the guy from Purdue, I'm blanking on his name, the guard who, who can shoot.
4: Carson Edwards.
3: Yeah, Edwards. I think if it'll be between those two, if, if Carson's available, I'm hoping they, they take Chuma. I just think he'd be a good fit.
2: So let me ask you guys this, and I, I'm going to assume that I'm speaking for a large majority of our audience, and I'll, I'll admit ignorance. I wasn't watching College Hoop. I, I was so pompous with the Warriors' success, I didn't think they would need to turn to the college ranks to get better. I was wrong. They do, right? So these names you guys are throwing around right now, are any of them capable of, of contributing to an NBA team next year? I mean, and obviously what we'll have to see, but you guys who have watched this, do any of the, of the people you just mentioned, is there one of them are are there all of them? Which one of these, these guys can actually participate in an NBA season right when they come in?
4: Who do you, who, what do you think is the biggest need for the Warriors? Do you think it's that you think
2: you need another guard? I like do. I, I think, yeah. And, and so as it currently stands, right? Cause we don't know who the hell they're going to pick up via free agency, but if right. the needs are reflected by its current roster and we know, for example, that clay is gone um, and we don't have the guard play that I think we'll need. I think we need someone to usurp, no you know, 15, 20 minutes at least off the bench in a guard role. And and it's not, you know, the warriors are so positionless it's, you know It doesn't have to be a guard or shooting guard or point guard, but just somebody who has that skill set.
4: Yeah, I mean, I, I think Chuma would be great. I don't think he's going to – I think he'll still be there at 28. I really do. And that's because like, – I mean, I don't hear a lot of teams talking about him in the first round. So I see him falling more to like the 32 to 36. So he might still be there. Like, he's just a solid contributor. Like you said, like a true wing. He, had tw- he averaged 12 points a game in Auburn led them to a final four. Um, so, and he's a, he's a little bit older. He's a sophomore, so he stayed two years. So that is a little bit better than Lou Dort out of Arizona State, who's coming after out after one year. Um, and then I, I guess that's why Darius Baisley is there, kind of in the wings. You know, he's a little bit taller. Um, I think he moves better in terms of what he was as a high school, high school prospect. You could definitely see that NBA potential. But after sitting out a year, like, I was really hesitant on Mitchell Robinson going to the Knicks because he did the same thing, and he sat out a year. But he was great. He didn't skip a beat. He was a great shot blocker, a great contributor for that uh, sorry Knicks team that they had this year. Um, <laughs> yeah.
3: And they like so yeah, him so much. yeah, either one of those players. They like him so much in New York, they're not willing to, to trade him, right? I mean, that's how high up on Mitchell yeah. they are. But, yeah, I mean, I think – yeah, I just – I think Bruno fills a need that – um, we may already come back with I mean if you might we might already have. Yeah, exactly. Like I just I don't know, I just I, I wanna I wanna see some more athletic wings come in. You know, I think Damien like Jones everything... and Yeah, Damian Jones, Kavon Looney, you know, I think we yeah. we might get JaVale back. I think we can figure out a way to cobble together enough of a five four mix and I just wanna see mm-hmm. you know, like with Livingston and Iggy and now Clay and I just, you know, I feel like we need to shore up that side.
4: I mean, you look at Carson Edwards, I think he would just be like another Quinn Cook, honestly, because he's a point guard. He did have 42 points against a very, very good defensive defensive team, uh, Virginia, and also uh, Villanova. So he can shoot, he can score. Um, But he's a point guard. So I I, can't see
2: you guys taking him. I mean, all of these names, if nothing else, are going to help me sound smart, which is really what I'm in the business of trying to seem, (laughs) Christian. So you've helped me. Um, I I want to ask you this. And it's, it's a random conversational whiplash question, but I really want your opinion on it. So from an uneducated position, The whole I'm going to skip college and jumpstart my professional career by playing professionally makes sense to me. Right. That like I remember back when Jeremy Tyler, a name from the past, went to Israel for a year and I thought that was a really good idea. And the Warriors drafted me. It was terrible. And it seems like it never works if they go to the G League, if they go overseas, whatever it is, whatever um, substitute for college that we've seen tends to not play in the way that, that the players wanted to. Why is that? Do you think? What is it about the the college ranks and NC2As that prepares these guys better, if that is in fact the case, than like the G League or the, the professional start?
4: I would say, so there's, there's kind of two layers to this answer, right? It's for kids growing up and watching March Madness and seeing the big games like Duke versus North Carolina, that sort of thing. Like if you're a competitor, you want to play in those situations. You want to play in March Madness. You want to be there at the end and competing for a national title. Secondly is when you're in college at a big time university, if you're good enough to be at like a blue blood school, you're on charter jet going from game to game. You get the best food. You're the big man on campus. Everything is easy for you. You've got all the attention, right? Where in the G League, you fly commercial, you're on Southwest flight. Right. Like if you're 6'10, who can, like so you got to get on a Southwest flight, you know. And I mean, not to get into the FBI stuff, but if you're also a top player, I'm sorry, you're also making money. So this whole, oh, we'll give you $150,000 come play in the G League. The kids are like well, I'm already making that, and I can play with my friends. <laughs> let's just tallest the state of safe. But what's interesting to see, there's there's been a couple of players that have elected now to go play overseas in Australia. RJ Hampton, who's going to be a top-five fish draft pick next year. He's a point guard out of Texas. He elected to go play over in the Australian uh, Professional League for the New Zealand Breakers, and um, he chose that over playing at Kansas and Memphis heavy hitters to really good schools, so wow. that surprised everyone and then here comes mellow ball trying to be relevant again and he decides he's going to go play over in the australian basketball league with uh uluwara so you've got two potential lottery picks in point guards playing over in the australian basketball league and when you ask players about this that are juniors in high school and seniors in high school actually i have an article coming in about this tomorrow Uh, What do you think of R.J. Hampton's move and Mellow Ball's move to go play overseas? And their response is like, it's great. Get the bag. Get the money as fast as you can. You know, if you can go and play basketball competitively overseas and get paid and then come back and make the NBA and not have your draft stock waiver, then do it. Hmm. So there's like a new trend being set by these two players that were top five players in the respected class. And they said, I don't want to play at Kansas. I don't want to play at North Carolina. I'm going
2: to go play over in Australia. I'd like it. Um, And it it makes sense to me. And I should also, I should correct that generally speaking, the people it doesn't work out for are Americans, right? We have Luka Doncic who didn't play a single second in the NC2A, but now is a rookie of the year and and dominate. So we should make that kind of subtle distinction, but Let's jump back into this year's draft and let's focus our attention on the top of it, right? The, the Warriors are down at the bottom, but there are some pretty damn good players. And I, in fact, am looking at your mock draft, the one you prepared for Yahoo Sports. And the top three you had there were Zion Williamson to the Pelicans, no big surprise, Ja Morant. To Memphis and then RJ Barrett to the Knicks, let's start here. Still think yes. that's accurate? Is uh expecting any big ten
4: thousand percent. All right. Here's here's what here's what I'm saying. Like the top three have been set since since March. Right. Like we knew regardless of team needs, that was gonna be the way it was gonna go. Zion number one, John number two, RJ number three. Now this whole like reports of oh Darius Garland is working out for the Knicks this week, Sasha Smoke and Mirrors. That's the Knicks saying to Rich Paul, yeah, why not? Why doesn't he come in? Maybe someday down the road we'll be his team number two. They're not going to waver from RJ Barrett. RJ Barrett refused a workout with the Memphis Grizzlies. Like Memphis reached out to him and said, no, we want you to come in for a workout just to make sure that we're cool with Ja. And RJ's like, no, I'm not. I'm not coming. (laughs) You know? So the fact that the only team that RJ Barrett has worked out for is. Is the New York Knicks. The only team that John Morant has worked out for is the Memphis Grizzlies. The only team that Art that Zan Williamson has met with is the New Orleans Pelicans. So those three are set. And then I feel like the draft just completely starts over. Because then it's just the best of the rest. And from 4 to 24, it's anybody's guess. Can I
2: stop you to congratulate you on your smoke and mirrors voice? That was awesome. (laughs) Maybe we'll have somebody (laughs) other than R.J. Bear. That was like both condescending and illustrative. I really enjoyed that. But let's dig in then to the front half, right, before the draft resets. And I got some follow-ups for all three of these guys. We'll start with Zion, and I'm going to give you an over-under. How many All Star games do you think Zion Williamson will be in over his NBA career? I put the number at three point five. Do you take the over or the under? Over. For sure, no question. No question. Give me an NBA comparison.
4: And no. there is none. That's the thing. There's never people say, "Oh, he's like Charles Barkley," you know, in terms of size and and what he can do. But, sure, there's aspects of his game similar to Charles Barkley. Is he as big as LeBron James? The hype surrounding him is, but he's not LeBron James. Hmm. You know, so there's – like, when I say that he is one-of-a-kind player, he is a one-of-a-kind one player. And it bothers me that the same criticisms about his game are the same things that he had to answer coming out of high school. Oh, he can only dunk and go left, and he doesn't have a jump shot. But like he, he can knock down a shot. Is he a three? Is he a true wing? No, he's not. He's a phenom of a player, and he just has no. There's no definition for him. And I think he will be an all-star. I think he will win the like the dunk contest any and every year he enters. Like the ceiling, and it's limitless.
2: Give us a random story. Some some interaction you had with Zion that sticks out to
4: you. Oh man. I've had so many, like the first time I saw him play eighth, and ninth grade, I was with um, my coworker, uh, Corey Evans. And I was talking to his stepdad, Lee, and we just saw him. We're like, he's going to be good. Is he going to stick with this basketball thing? Because at that point, no, he wasn't what he was. Like he put on, he put on a hundred pounds between his sophomore year in high school and his junior year in high school. Right. And um, so we're talking to Lee, his stepdad, we're like, he's good. And um, Lee turns to us and he's like, Would you mind telling him that he doesn't believe it? He doesn't think he doesn't think he's going to play in college. He doesn't think he's going to be anything. And we're like, huh? What? (laughs) So it's like, there was actually a point in Zion Williamson's career where he didn't believe that he, he didn't believe in himself. He had to be told, no, you're good. No, you're going to make it. No, you're going to play in college. No, you could be an NBA player. No, you're going to be the number one draft pick. You know, it's like, And he's still the same kid. Like I just saw him yesterday and it's just, everything around him is so big. I feel like I told you guys this story
2: last time when I was in This is like somebody telling Mozart to stick with music, Kristen. (laughs) You know, like, oh, actually this might work out for you. You know, like, let's see how this goes.
4: Yeah, I feel like I told you guys this story last time when I was in Thailand and I was talking to this local street vendor and he said, oh, you're from America? I said, yeah. He's like, what do you do? And I said, oh, I cover college basketball. And, you know, that's all I said. I didn't want to explain to him. And he goes, oh, that Zion Williamson is really something. <laughs> in Thailand. In <laughs> Thailand, people know who Zion is. Like, that's unbelievable. That's crazy. I'm like, what, you want some more stories? Like, I, he raced R.J. Barrett one-on-one in the swimming pool and beat him. I thought that was pretty cool. It's was like, R.J., how do you let this guy's 280 pounds beat you in a swim race?
2: What, what stroke? I don't,
4: I don't get that. What
2: stroke? Freestyle. Were they running? What What are they? Freestyle. Wait, was, oh yeah, I was, was Memphis <laughs> watching
3: or something? <laughs>
2: <didn't> <laughs> you should have used the smoke and mirrors yeah, voice.
3: Exactly. <laughs> um, <laughs> going on to the number two pick. Um, same questions though. So for Ja Morant, we have the over under of all star games for him at three and a half. What do you think? Over or under for Ja?
4: Uh, you guys you know i'm like i'm really positive on all players i feel like i'm just gonna say over for all three is, is rj uh three and a half as well
3: no he's one and a half <laughs> yeah but we can make it three and a half oh.
2: <laughs> it's 17 Kristen. what do you think
4: <laughs> it's like, perennial all- is it? 17 i'd say on there. i know i think Jaw's gonna be great i think he's the most ready player in this entire draft i think he's got a really good head on his shoulders in the sense where he has goals for himself already. And he's a student of the game. Like as soon as he saw that he was going to Memphis, he told me he started watching film of his teammates, like Jaron Jackson. Oh wow. Like, come on. And he he just said, he's like, I want to know how to hit him in transition. I want to know where he wants the ball. Like, so I've been watching film on my teammates so I can come in and be a a better point guard right away. Like for so for me, someone who is a student of a game like that and it's not about the money and it's not about the fame and it's just about what playing basketball, I think that translates into a really good player, a really good point guard, a really good floor general, and I think he'll be a really great all star.
3: <laughs> so so what about ja, NBA comparison? Does he compare to anybody that you think is currently in the league?
4: Yeah, I've heard the comparisons, you know, I think Russell Westbrook is one that a lot of people, because he's explosive, um, he can get in a lane. Um, I also really like the John Wall comparisons. I think that's a little more accurate. Uh, both really great players. Uh, Russell Westbrook is his favorite player. Uh, so for him to now be going up against Russ next year is, I I mean, he said he's like, I don't even know what my emotions are going to be at, you know, during that game. because. Here's someone that he's idolized. He also told a fun story that when Steph Curry was playing um, in the NCAA tournament, uh, they actually him and his family drove to watch him play. So it's like you go from watching someone like Steph Curry play to now you're playing against them. And he said it's just surreal and it's crazy. But he wants to be pushed. He wants to get better. And he wants to lead the league in assists. Oh wow! Like what player has that? What player has that goal? Not Oh, I want this triple double. I want this. Like, no, I want to lead in assists. I love that.
3: That's amazing. He's probably a better shooter than John Wall too, though, right? I mean, that comparison. He looks like he's got a little bit better form, but
4: yeah, I mean, he got he got better in his sophomore year. He's not a great shooter, but he's making better shooting decisions. Right. That make sense. Yeah. Um. He also, I mean, he led the NCAA in in assists. He also led in turnovers. So, gonna have to clean up one of those. You know, the next level for sure.
3: Hey, Russell Westbrook. That's the comparison.
0: Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah.
3: And then going to the third player, um, RJ. So we had the over/under All Star games for him at one and a half.
4: I know. I'm gonna go over. I'm very, I'm a very positive person. Nice. I like with, it. with these three picks. But the thing with RJ, I've seen him take over games. You have to understand if this was last year's draft. Um, and he could go straight to the league I think there would be more hype surrounding him but since he's in Zion Williamson's shadow because he was the number one high school prospect last year like he was who everybody was talking about because everyone was kind of like unsure about Zion and how good he would really be and he also reclassified so right you got you look at someone like RJ like he's young he just turned 19 on Friday like this is this is a young kid, super talented. Comes from a pedigree of basketball. We're talking his dad played at St. John's, uh, played for the Canadian national team, and his uh, godfather is Steve Nash. Hello, like how do you grow up around a family like that and not be a NBA player and a good one at that?
3: Exactly. I mean, there there are whispers, and it may just be noise, like you were saying, or smoke and mirrors, but that people are going to be offering trades like the Wizards are going to try to trade for the Knicks, you know, and they'll give up Beal or somebody. Do you think they trade at yeah. all? Do you think New York sticks with RJ Barrett and just tries to rebuild around him?
4: Knicks, the Knicks have notoriously made bad decisions. <laughs> so I could see them, <laughs> I could see them trading RJ Barrett and then having them having it just like come back and bite them in the ass, like yeah. later, later on down the line.
3: Is there a comparison? I mean, you hear RJ being compared to Harden. It's probably just because he's left-handed. But is there a comparison you think that's out there?
4: Uh, yeah. I mean, just kind of like any. I mean, I guess Harden would be a good one. Um, I would say Kevin Porter is more Hardenish than, um, than RJ Barrett. Mm. I don't know, uh, because I just look at RJ and I think he's just going to be a solid. He's not going to be like a in-house name right he's just gonna be like he's gonna start out as like a solid contributor and then like break the barrier so who, who kind of did that we say brad beal a little bit
3: yeah yeah that might be a good one yeah cool all right um so and then any random story about rj something that is a fun story similar to- oh
4: my god you're gonna um yeah i mean god i've got so many stories i wish i could think ahead of time uh about these things but the like the thing that one there's always a moment when I watch a player in high school where I become a believer. Do you know what I mean? It's like if they went off and had fifty points or, you know, they scored six points in six seconds at the end of the half, like Nico Mann and this kid coming up next year who'll right. be drafted, going to Arizona. He did that and I was like, oh I'm a believer, Nico Manon, you're great. <laughs> um <laughs> With RJ, it was watching the semifinals at the FIBA World Championships, Mm -hmm. And they were playing Team USA. Coach Cal was coaching. RJ single-handedly took over the game, has 38 points. I think he had 25 in the second half. And, like, he took it to everyone. Every single player just completely took over the game. And as soon as I saw that, I was like, oh, yeah, I'm a believer. Yep. He's the one. Um, but I just saw, I know, I just saw him tonight at this uh, at this panini card thing. And it was so funny because I was like, okay, RJ, we're going to play two truths and a lie. And he's like, you oh, you guys always make us look so stupid in these silly little games. I was like, no, no, I'm going to, I promise I'll make you look good. I'm going to tell you what ahead of time what they are. It's fine. It's fine. And the lie that I gave him, I was like, one truth was, um... You know, uh, Steve Nash is my godfather. And then the lie was Coach K beat me at a game of horse. And he's like, oh, okay, yeah. No one will ever believe that one.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Coach can coach, but he can't shoot. For sure. Yeah. For sure. So out of all these players, everybody in the draft, is there one player? You have to pick one player from this class that will absolutely, no doubt, be in the Hall of Fame. Which one is it?
4: Oh, Zion Williamson.
3: Zion. Yeah. Yeah. I
4: have to. I mean, he has defied every expectation that has been put in front of him. And not even like a little bit. It's been you just like he came back from blowing out his shoe and sitting out six games and had a near perfect game against a tough North Carolina. Like almost perfect. That's insane to me. Yeah.
3: He's gonna be But can we
4: talk about him and Lonzo Ball and LeVar Ball in the same city?
3: It's going to be volatile. I mean, I mean, yeah. that's. Do you think that's a good match? Thing. you think it's a good match?
4: I think it'll be fine. And here's why I say that. Zion played, so he's played against LaMelo Ball in probably, I think, no, we talked about this last time. Um, probably the biggest AAU game I've ever seen in my life. It was Zion Williamson versus LaMelo Ball and the Ball Brothers, whatever. And um it was such a big aau game the fire marshal shut down entrance and lebron tried to show up and get in with his sons and but he had to be turned around like he's like no you can't get in sorry lebron james you can't come and watch this AAU basketball game so zion is already familiar with the craziness and the circus that comes with Levar ball and the ball family so I don't think it'll be a problem for him. I think the only way I can see it being a problem is Lavar Le- starts personally attacking Zion for whatever reason, and then once you do that, it's like you got Zion family like Lee. He'll come out like it, it, he's not going to let him just say anything he wants. You know, he's going to defend his kid. Right. Um, that's the only way I can see it not being nice and harmonious.
3: Yeah, it'll be interesting. I mean, there's also you know a lot of talk about the Pelicans potentially packaging Lonzo up with a pick or two, Um, you know, not Zion obviously, but the number four pick or some of their other ones and, you know, trying to get another guard. So it'll be interesting how it all pans out, but watching LaVar, LaVar and Zion kind of go back and forth would be entertainment for sure. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. yeah. What about this? So um, is there, one of the players that will ultimately fall outside of the lottery, but will surprise and end up making a few All-Star teams um, before his career is over.
4: Man, you know the first name that comes to mind because he's such a huge question mark is Bobol.
3: Really, Bulbul?
4: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like we're talking, we're talking about a guy who's seven-two. He played nine games. He shot 56% from the three, 52% from the field, like nine games. That's, that's not bad. You know what I mean? And as someone at seven, two, he's such, it's one of those things where if, where if a team takes a risk on him, it's like, well, what do you do with him? He's not big enough in terms of like his size to stay down low, but he can't be a true wing, but he can knock down the three and he's a great shot blocker. So where do you play him? You know? And because of that question mark, it's like, he could sneak in and find a lane of his own and become the best person, the best player at that lane. But I mean, it's such, it's such a question mark. And then you have to think of, well, does he really want it? Is it all like, will money change him? Because he's had a long history of rappers hanging out with him and, you know, one of those, oh, do I go work on my jump shot or do I go hang out with Quavo, you know? right. Like, that's, those, are, those are those are the questions in Bogle's <laughs> mind. Um, but he is, such, he is such a huge question mark for me because he was so, so good in high school. He was so good. Like, dominant good.
3: His game kind of reminds me of former warrior Chris Boucher. And, um, you know, he's now with the Raptors, and he was, you know, the G League yeah. MVP and killing it. And, you know, he's super slight frame <laughs> but can shoot, you know, rebound. You know, Boucher is obviously shorter um, and a little more nimble. But, um, you know, I could see that comparison going on. And if, if he does well with that, maybe that, that can be something that he rides. And to your point, finds that, that yeah. unique lane and, and carves out a space for himself in the league.
4: I think Cam Johnson is going to be another great player who's going to drop outside the lottery. Um, Cam played at UNC. Mm-hmm. He's definitely the best shooter. In the league, and because he transferred from pit and had to sit out a year, he's one of the older players, so he's super experienced. And and I heard I heard a scout say when they are watching him shoot, and you know he's just shooting threes in the corner. And one of the NBA guys turned to me and he's like, oh, "When God created a jump shot, that's exactly what he wanted it to look like." And oh, I'm man. like, "Yeah, true." That's <laughs> like, "Talk about a compliment!" Right? Jeez. Jeez. <laughs>
3: Nice. All right. A um, couple more questions, and then we'll let you get out of there and get back to um, the draft stuff. So you don't have to give us a name, but is there a player that is going to be drafted in the top ten that will be the Adam Morrison or Anthony Bennett of this draft? Again, you don't have to give us a name because I know you're close to a lot of them, but is there somebody who is just a little overhyped and – um you know will just ultimately unfortunately be a bust
4: yeah i'll tell you who it is and everybody has been saying it it's cam ruddish like he's like he's like rudy gay it's like he's gonna keep teasing you and teasing you and teasing you his entire career of what he could be but he'll never get there but because of his upside you'll keep believing in him you'll keep paying him you'll keep paying him and he'll never give you what you want
3: interesting Yeah, because he's got the prototypical size and you would think that he, you know, is this great shooter, but he didn't shoot that well last year. And, you know, then you can say, well, it's because RJ and Zion were there. And it's like, I don't I don't know. It just seems like to your point, he's he's got all the tools and somebody's going to pay him for the upside. But you you think it'll never come to fruition?
4: I hope it again, super positive because I love Cam as a player, Um, but I hope it does. But just after seeing what I've seen the last couple of years, it's just kind of in the same, like, oh, well, you know, I'm really good at basketball. So I guess I'll just keep being really good at basketball. And it's not like, no, I want to I want to get to this point or this point or this point. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. But – and then, again, like, he could turn around and be the Jason Tatum of his rookie season and be that good. Like, if he lands at somewhere like Atlanta at number eight, I think that is such a great fit for him just because – he knows Trey Young's game so well. Like they played, they played with each other at USA Basketball trials in high school. Like, and I think that, I mean, talk about someone who can give you your confidence back as a shooter. I think Trey would be great for that because he lets it fly, and if it starts going in, then your shot's going in, and everybody else. You know what I mean? So, I hope he goes to Atlanta at eight. That's my guess.
3: That'd be interesting. I mean, they got Trey there. Have- yeah. Kevin Herter there, they, they'd have an interesting little squad if, if Cam finds that confidence back.
4: Yeah, and let's not forget he was, he was the three point, uh, champion at the McDonald's All American Games. So, and he made like he made it look like layups. So it's there, like it, you can see it. It's there, you know. Yeah. <laughs>
3: Well, let's hope he turns it around. Um, Okay, we always like to have a little fun, so we have a a scenario for you. Um, Let us know how you would handle it. So good news is you have to go on a three-week road trip around the nation scouting prospects, doing what you love, meeting players. Bad news is there are no airplanes anymore. You're not allowed to take a single flight. You have to drive literally everywhere for the three weeks all across the country. You get one player, past or present that you've met since you've been doing this to sit shotgun with you and ride along the way for those three weeks. Who do you pick and why?
4: Oh man. Um I thought you were gonna say you, you get one player that it's only one player you get to follow every three weeks. And I'm like, oh, now I get to talk about this kid Amani Bates yeah. coming up. <laughs> and <set>. um, <laughs> then you had a little What's your
3: Road trip buddy, three weeks.
4: Past or present?
3: Yep. Any, so it
4: can be a current NBA player? It
3: can. Any NBA player, past or present.
4: Okay. you got. I mean, I don't know if you'll love or hate this answer, but Kevin Durant, he's my number one what? forever and always. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Is this still
3: coming back to your fangirl moment with KD? Is that why?
4: A hundred percent. If I have to be in the car with someone for three weeks, it's good. <laughs> um... No, I love Kevin Durant. It was it was like when he went down, man, how terrible was that? I'm sure you guys have like deep dive into that. But I, um, you know, I was texting with his dad a little bit, and it was just one of those things where it's like nothing is ever guaranteed. We're gonna pray and hope for the best, but you know, we we just appreciate everyone kind of sticking with him. Um, I don't know who would you who would you choose? Um.
3: That's a good question. I don't know. I wasn't ready to answer it myself. I probably would pick, (laughs) um, probably Clay. I mean, I would just want somebody who I would just have fun with. And I I feel like I could record those three weeks with Clay and then just turn it into a a mini little series and, you know, sell the rights to that for a little while as well. So, um, the stuff that Clay says is just (laughs) priceless and gold every time. He, He doesn't even have to try. So, um, Oh my God. Yeah.
4: You know who else I really like because of what you just said? I really like this kid, Mo Bamba. Really? He got drafted too. Yeah, he is so fun. He's so funny. And he's super tall. So, like, if I'm in my Prius, just imagining him, like, in my (laughs) front seat (laughs) not being able to fit next to me (laughs) is a really funny visual. That is pretty funny.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Well, as always, thank you so much for joining us. Um, We really, really appreciate you taking time out. We know you're out there in New York getting ready for the draft. Um, If people want to check you out and see kind of all the hard work that you're doing come come to life, um, how can they check you out uh, for Yahoo Sports and what's going on with the draft?
4: Yeah. Um, So we have a live draft show Thursday night. Um, Yahoo Sports, you can see me interview all the players after they're drafted which is always fun because i always am able to get a little bit more out of them other than well, what was this experience like how excited are you to be going so and so we talk a little bit more about their personal stories and the way that they got there um it is on yahoo sports so just yahoo sports.com um and i think it starts at 7 or like the draft starts at 7 30 right
3: yeah, draft is at
4: 7.30. Draft draft starts at 7.30. We go live at 7 o'clock. Nice. 7 on 20. Yahoo Sports. Perfect. Yeah. All
3: right. Well, thank you again so much. Enjoy the trip out there. And um, hopefully we'll have you back on soon. It's the off season for us, so we'll slow down a little bit. But always love to have you on, <laughs> and um, you're welcome anytime.
4: Anytime. Go Warriors, right? right
3: thank you. Yes, beautiful. Nice. <laughs> Big fun, as always. If you can't tell, Bram had to leave a little early, so I'm closing us out. Big shout-out to KP for taking the time to talk to us while she's out in New York at the draft. If you want more Warriors content, even in the off season, we will still be recording, so feel free to hit us up. You can email us at warriorshuddle at gmail.com or our Twitter at warriorshuddle. Thanks again for listening, and hopefully we'll see you next week. Good.